seated. Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to see everyone here this morning. I see a couple of visitors in our audience this morning as well, so we want to welcome you, and we also want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online today. Always glad to have you guys a part of our worship. Freddie Heller messaged me this week, and he said, looks like I'm not going to be able to make it to services Um, He's just in a lot of pain with his back. He did have an epidural. Lord willing, that's going to take soon, and he'll be able to get around much better. But he told me he's going to be watching online, and he told me to smile because he was going to be watching. So there you go, Freddie. Uh, You received a smile from me this morning. All right. Well, as you guys can see today, we're beginning a new series entitled Staying on Mission. And I want to kind of kick everything off today by asking a question. If you would, raise your hand if you have been a part of the Central Church family for three years or less. Three years or less. Okay, awesome. That's great. You can put your hands down. Uh, One more question. How many of you, and, and I want to see a show of hands, how many of you have confessed your faith in Jesus and been baptized within the last three years? Raise your hand. Awesome. That, that's super. Okay, so this is one of the reasons why I want to begin this new series. Because we have a lot of new Christians. We have a lot of new families here at Central. And we have a lot of visitors that are coming week after week. And, and so what I want to do is I want to express to you what our mission is so that you guys can kind of get on board with us and and go all in with us on this mission as well. Now, I also want to do this series because several of you, you've been Christians for years. And you've been a part of the Central family for years. And so I want to do this series as a reminder for those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we've been a part of the church family for a, lo- for a long time, so that we don't lose sight of our mission. Does that make sense? Okay, shake your head. Let, let me know you're out there listening to me this morning. Good. So one of the things that I've discovered is that for a lot of churches, they only have about a 40 or 50 year lifespan. And and what I mean by that is for a lot of churches, um, they will get started up and they will be very fruitful for a season where they're reaching people uh, for the Lord. And then oftentimes what will happen to those churches is they will lose sight of the mission. And what happens over time is they began to kind of plateau and then eventually they start to decline until finally the doors are shut. And and so I want you to understand that this morning. For a lot of churches, they only have about a 40, 50 year lifespan and then the doors are shut because they have lost sight of the mission. Now I want you to understand this morning that the church here at Central Uh, We're over 100 years old. And and that's good news. Yes, absolutely. You guys can clap for that. And and what that means, the reason I told you that is, is this. There was a generation who said, this can't stop with us. 
We, we have got to pass on the good news, the message about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the next generation. And so now here we are, we're the next generation, and now this is in our lap, and now we have a choice. What are we going to do with this? Right? Or are we, are we going to stay inside these walls and, and keep this message to ourselves? Are we going to pass this on to the next generation? Because one thing is very clear, God has a mission for all of us. And I want to share that mission with you this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20. And uh, this mission is for those of you who have just given your life to Jesus over the last couple of weeks, all the way to those of us who've been Christians for years, those of us who are disciples. Notice what it says. Jesus came and He told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, what's the word church said out loud? Go. Go. Notice he, he doesn't say, therefore, come. He says, therefore go. And in other, in other words, the church is this movement. It's this sending out of, of Jesus' disciples to do what? Well, notice what he says. Go therefore and what, church? Said out loud. Make disciples. He doesn't say, go therefore and fill up a room. Right? He says, go therefore and make disciples. And he goes on to say, of what church? Of all nations. Which shows us that there's going to be diversity within the church. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, teach these new disciples to obey all my commands that I have given you. In other words, I want you to teach my commands, Jesus says, in such a way that people will apply it. They will live this out in their life. And then he closes out by saying this. He says, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now this is what we like to call the Great Commission. This is what Jesus told every church to be about. To preach and to teach the gospel to the world. I heard a story one time about a lady by the name of Mary. And Mary one day was babysitting her little four-year-old granddaughter by the name of Dawn. And Dawn had wandered into the bathroom and she had accidentally locked herself inside. And she couldn't get out, so she began to scream and she began to cry for her grandmother named Dawn. And, and so Dawn comes running and, and she says, she says, you know, our Mary is actually the grandmother. She says her granddaughter, Dawn, she says, Dawn, she says, it's going to be okay. Don't panic. She says, I've got to go find the key. And so give me just a few moments. Just be patient. I will come back. I will let you out. And she said, just remember that God is in there with you. And little Dawn replied, said, I know he is, and God wants out too. <laughs> and, and the point of that is very clear and very true for us today. God does want to get out. 
He wants to get out into our community. And God wants to get out into our world. And so it is our mission to help people know God. It's our mission to help lead people to Jesus. There is this awesome story found in Mark chapter 2, and, and you can look there with me if you'd like. I'm just going to share the story with you this morning. There were four guys who had a friend who was a para, paralytic. And uh, they discovered that there's this guy by the name of Jesus, and, and he's healing people. And so they decided, we'll take our friend to Jesus. So they load him up on this mat. They find out that Jesus is in the, the city or the town of Capernaum. And so they take him there, and when they get there, they find out that Jesus is teaching in a certain house, so they go to that house with their friend, and man, it's packed out. It's a sold-out event. You can't even get in the house. Now, the logical, rational thing to do in that situation, I think all of us would agree, is to wait, wait till Jesus finished teaching. Wait till everybody began to clear out a little bit. And then, you know, maybe you could get an appointment with Jesus. You'd be able to see Jesus and Jesus would be able to heal their friend. But that's not what they did at all. They climb up on the roof, they rip a hole in the roof, and they lower their friend down to Jesus. Listen, I wouldn't even put a hole in my own roof, let alone someone else's roof. You know, we would consider that to be reckless and, and dangerous and certainly expensive, but here's the thing, man, that was full of passion. They wanted to make sure that their friend got to Jesus and Jesus rewarded them for it. He healed their friend. But just think about that. These guys wanted to get, get their friend to Jesus so badly, they were willing to climb up on this roof and rip it off to lower their friend down to Jesus. And the question I want you to think about this morning is what are we willing to do to get people to Jesus? Well, Slate, is it really that important? Well, if it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't have commanded us to do it, right? Well, well I'm kind of lost. I mean, why is this so important? Well, let me share a couple of things with you. First of all, because the world needs saving. You know, as you look at Luke chapter 19, verse 10, uh, Jesus says the, these words. He, he talks about His coming as a rescue mission. He says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are what, church? Said out loud. Lost. lost. To seek and to save the lost. Notice Jesus doesn't refer to the world as you know, simply the unchurched or, or those who are seeking. He refers to these people as lost. And you say, well, what exactly does that mean? Well, I think Jesus gives us an, an idea of what that word means and the, the seriousness of that word when He told a parable in Luke chapter 15 about a shepherd who had a lost sheep. And so that shepherd went in search for that one lost sheep. And the question is, why? Because in that culture, they understood that a lost sheep would soon be a dead sheep. Right? 
And so when Jesus talks about someone who is lost, that, that word is, is very sobering. Um, you, you look at Mark chapter 4 and, and the disciples. You probably remember this story. They're in a boat with Jesus and Jesus is asleep. And, and while Jesus is sleeping, this terrible storm comes up to the point to where the disciples thought that they were going to die. In fact, they wake Jesus up and they ask Jesus this question, Master, don't you care that we perish? And guess what? The word that they use there is the exact same word that Jesus uses here in Luke chapter 19. Jesus used a word to describe people far from God that meant they were about to die eternally. Not just physically, but eternally. But when the church loses this idea of lostness that Jesus had, the church loses its urgency. And we begin to experience mission drift. Listen to me. The gospel of Jesus is not just good news. It is essential news. Jesus... Um, his return is described by the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. And this kind of helps us to understand the seriousness of why we need to reach people who don't know about Jesus. It says, When the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, He will come with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment. Now understand right now, Jesus is your Savior. You can come to Jesus right now and you can be saved. But when Jesus returns, when that day comes, He will no longer be your Savior. He will be your judge. And so notice it says, Jesus will appear from heaven. He'll come with mighty angels, with flaming fire, bringing, bringing judgment on those who, what? Said out loud, church. No. Don't know God. And on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Do you see the seriousness of it? Do you see the, the seriousness of, of what you and I as Christians are called to do? And, and even those of you who are, who are new Christians, I, I want you to understand this. I want, you to, I want you to get this. This is our mission. We have got to reach the lost. Just as you were reached with the good news of Jesus, now you need to go out and reach someone else with the good news of Jesus. People need the message of Jesus because people need to be saved. But not only do we need to understand that people need to be saved, secondly, we need to understand that Jesus is essential for that salvation. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except what church? Except through me. And so what I want you to notice is that Jesus didn't present himself as a way to God, but as what? The way to God. You know, today you may hear people say, well, there are many ways to God. You know, we, we all have these different paths that we can take, but, but it all ends with God. But, but that's not what Jesus said at all. 
Jesus is not a way to God. He is the way to God. We, we look at what Peter said about Jesus in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He said, there is salvation, and why church said out loud? No one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. John wrote these words in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, Whoever has the Son, talking about Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have God's Son, does what, church? Life. Does not have life. And then Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, he says, There is one God and there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. And who is it? The man Christ Jesus. And so the early church didn't preach the gospel as charity, but as necessity. People need the gospel. They, they preached that Jesus was essential if, if they were going to be right with God. But here's the second half of this, and, and this is so crucial. Not only do people need the gospel, but the gospel needs people. The gospel needs a community that will take it to the world, right? I think about Romans chapter 10, and this is so basic. I love how, how Paul puts this, and I think he puts it on a level to where we can all get it, and we can see the importance of what we've been called to do. Romans 10, 13 through 14, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, church? Say, but, think about this, how can they call on Him to save them unless they what? Believe in Him, and, and He keeps going. And how can they believe in Him if they have never what? Heard about Him. And how can they hear about Him unless someone what? Unless someone tells them. How are people going to know the good news? How are people going to know about Jesus? Unless those of us who already have a relationship with Jesus and know Jesus tell them about Jesus. And, and that's the point he's trying to make. Listen, Jesus needs his church because the gospel needs to be taken to the world. A lot of people say, well, well you know, I, I don't need the church. <laughs> Jesus did. Jesus says, I, I need the church because I, I need you to take the good news out. Jesus needs a church that will stay on mission. A church that will knock down walls instead of hiding behind walls. And, and I think a great example of this would be the, the church at Antioch. And I just want to read this to you because this is kind of a lengthy reading this morning. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. You can follow along with me if you'd like. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the Word of God only to the Jews. However, some of the believers went on to Antioch from Cyprus and Serene and began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was on them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. 
When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the, this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And then we're just going to skip over two more chapters. Acts 13, starting in verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now there are several firsts that I want you to see concerning the church at Antioch. First of all, the church at Antioch was the first church where believers were called Christians. Also, they were the first church to cross ethnic boundaries and include Gentiles, which was a really big deal. The Jews thought that they were the only ones who could be saved, that they were God's special people, and so they were the ones, they were the only ones who could be saved. But then also, it was the first church to include missionary church planning. Notice the Holy Spirit appointed Paul and Barnabas for this special work that He had called them to, to go out and to plant more churches so that they could lead more people, not just right there in their, their community, but across the world with the gospel. Antioch was a church on mission. And here's another point I want to make towards that. A church on mission shares a gospel that can save anyone. And, and this was a really big deal. I mean, the, the church at, at, at Antioch, not only did they have Jews, but they also had Gentiles. And, and as I said, the Jews didn't think the Gentiles could be saved. But there were Gentiles that were coming to the Lord. And the church of Jerusalem hears about it, and so they send Barnabas to kind of check everything out, and Barnabas gets there, and man, he sees God working in the lives of these Gentiles, and he gets excited, and he's trying to encourage them. But here's the thing, there were people back in Jerusalem who didn't feel the same way. They wanted this to stop. And so there was this, this huge gathering this, this council meeting where, where they came together and they debated this. Could the Gentiles be saved? And, and finally it got to the point where Peter stands up in Acts chapter 15 verse 11 and this is what he says, we believe that we are what church? All saved the same way by the what? By the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Now that is a message that is a gospel that can reach the world, right? And let me tell you something, no one knew this was more true than the Apostle Paul. Because there may be some of you here this morning who may be thinking to yourself, but Slate, you don't understand the bad things that I've done. Jesus could never save anyone like me. 
And I would say to you, I guarantee you, you don't have on your list, I used to kill Christians. But Paul did. And Jesus saved him. And he writes about that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And listen to what he says, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ could use me as a prime example of, the, of His great patience with even the worst of sinners. Again, some of you may be thinking or maybe you've had the thoughts, God could never love someone like me. God could, could never for, forgive someone like me. But He can. And He will. Jesus told a parable about it in Luke chapter 14. He's talking about this guy who threw a banquet. And, and I guess he had a list of people that he had invited to the banquet. And after you know he had gotten the banquet prepared, he told his servant, listen, go out to all those who had received an invitation and tell them that the banquet's ready to, to come. And, and so the servant went out and all he got back was excuses as to why they couldn't come. One said, well, I bought a field and I've got to go see it so I can't come. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. I'm sorry, but I'm not able to come. Another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. And so the servant, he's getting all these excuses. And he comes back and he tells his master and the master gets angry. And so he says to go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the cripple and the blind and the lame. And then as you get into verses 22 through 23, notice the, the servant, he comes back to the master and he says, I've done that. And he says, there's still room at the banquet. And so his master says, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge what? Anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. And to me, that passage shares with us the heart of God. God's house, God's kingdom is in everyone kind of place. God wants His house, He wants His kingdom to be full. He mentions the poor and the cripple and the blind and the lame. They're all, they're all invited. And, and then you think about all the people that Jesus ministered to. All the people that Jesus spent the majority of His time with, like tax collectors. Dishonest tax collectors like Zacchaeus that we read about in, in Luke chapter 19. Jesus ministers to him. And, and, and then in John chapter 4, you read about this woman at the well who's lived with five men and, and Jesus ministers to her. And then in John chapter 8, you, you have this woman who's been brought to Jesus, who's been caught in the very act of adultery, and Jesus ministers to her. Jesus has a heart for everyone, no matter how messy their life may be. 
I want you to understand that this morning. Especially if you're questioning, could God love someone like me? Could God forgive someone like me through Jesus? Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can be forgiven. Listen, it's awesome that we can gather like we're gathered today. And and we're going to talk more about the importance of of what we're doing uh, today, next week. But we are called not only to gather, but to scatter. I love what one person said. The church is kind of like compost. If you spread it out, it's a great fertilizer. But if you pile it up, it stinks up the neighborhood. And that's what we're called to, is is to scatter. To scatter, to go out into our community, go out into the world, and share the message of Jesus. And that is the mission that He has given us, that He has commanded us to do. And and some of you may say, but but Slade, I'm I'm not real sure how to do that. I want to leave you with a couple of suggestions this morning. First of all, before you ever think about going out and talking to people about Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He got off to Himself and prayed before He went out and he, He shared the good news with others. You say, well, well, what's the big deal about prayer? I mean, why, why should we pray? Well, we need to pray that God will give us opportunities. Opportunities with our friends and, and our family. Give us opportunities with our co-workers and our neighbors and, and, and our classmates. But then also, when we pray, God opens hearts. So when we have those opportunities, God will open the hearts of those that we're trying to to reach with the message of Jesus. And a great example of this is found in Acts chapter 16. You have Paul who is actually down by a river and he's preaching to some women And it says, you get down, I believe it's verse 15, it says, as she listened, referring to a woman by the name of Lydia, she's mentioned there in the text, as she listened to the message about Jesus, it says the who? The Lord opened her heart. That's why we pray. We pray for opportunities and we pray that that the Lord will open hearts. And notice what happened. The Lord opened her heart. She accepted what Paul was saying and she and her household were what? Were baptized. And and so we we pray before we ever go out. We we lift up our friends and, and our family and our co-workers, neighbors. God, give me opportunities. Give me an opportunity to, to share you with others today. But then also, let me point this out. Man, it's so important if we're going to reach others. It's so important how we live. Right? I mean, we oftentimes need to ask ourselves the, the question, does how I live line up with what I say I believe about Jesus? Right? I mean, if we're, if we're sitting there saying to someone else, man, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is great, He is the Lord of my life, but I'm not living for Him, is He really? Is He really our Lord? One of the biggest reasons why people reject Jesus and Christianity altogether, you'll hear them say it. I've heard it said. I've, I've had it said to me, is because oh, the church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. 
It's important how we live. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the Hebrew writer says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be what, church? To be holy. That word means set apart. We're to be set apart for God. Because, notice what he says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But not, but not only is it important for us to be holy, but, but we are also to live with hope, right? People should see the hope that we have in, in our awesome Savior, and, and that should also make them curious and, and want to know more. I love what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what? For the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Listen, when the church goes through this life and has hope, even in, even in uncertain times, even, even when we're experiencing difficulty, people are going to ask, how do you do that? How do you, how do you have hope? Where, do, where does your hope come from? How, how do you still maintain your joy? And that's an opportunity for us as Christians and to look at them and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Because He's my hope. Well, Slade, I, I just, man, I, I, don't know, I don't know that I can, I can do that. I mean, I, listen, Slade, I'm a new Christian. I don't know everything there is to know about the, the Bible, and, and I may not be able to answer all of their questions. You know what? I don't know everything about the Bible either. And I probably won't be able to answer all of your questions, but you know what? Here's what we can all do. We can all share our story. Right? We, we all have a story of how Jesus changed and transformed our life. It's like the story of the, the blind man in John chapter 9. Remember, Jesus heals him. And, and then the Pharisees call the blind man in and they're asking him all these questions and, and he's telling them what happened. That's all he's doing is, is just telling them his story. And, and they start speaking up saying, don't you realize that this Jesus guy is a sinner? And I love what he says in John 9, 25. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. The man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I see and I'm saying to you, I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. But I know how Jesus has transformed my life. And you know how Jesus has transformed your life. Share that with people. But then one last thing that, that I want to mention this morning. We're out of time. And, and that is this. Don't be afraid to invite people. Don't, don't be afraid to... To invite, there's, there's a story in John chapter 4. And uh, Jesus has um, engaged with a lady at a well, and, and they're talking. And, and after she gets done talking with Jesus, she runs back into her village, and this is what it says. John chapter 4, verse 29. She says to the people in her village or her, her town, she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Notice, all she does is extend an invitation. Come. And the whole town shows up. And the whole town 
comes to Jesus because of one woman's invitation. George Barna, and I've shared this with you before, who, who does all the religious uh, research, he says that there are 45 million people in America who say that they would come to church next Sunday if someone would ask them. If someone would just invite them. And so, don't be afraid to invite people to come know Jesus. I want us to close with a prayer this morning, but, but I want to challenge you. I, I, I want us to get serious about this. Man, we've got people coming to the Lord right now. And uh, man, we want to keep that going. We, we don't want to plateau we don't want to lose sight of, of our mission and, and start to decline. We, we want to keep going. We want to pass this on to the next generation and, and, and the people within our community and throughout the world. So I want to challenge you to invite someone next week. Just invite one person. Invite one family to come and, and be a part of this. And man, when you invite somebody, do it with joy, right? Don't be like, I, you know, I know you don't want to come to church with me next week, do you? Be like, listen, man, there's this awesome minister, Slate. You've got to meet him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But say, man, I want you to come meet my church family. I want you to come worship God with me. I, I want you to come encounter Jesus like I had because He's changed my life and He is totally awesome and He can change yours too. But get excited about it and invite someone to come with you next week. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for Jesus. Thank You for our Savior. Father, we're, we're so thankful that You're so mindful of us, humanity, even though we are such a mess at times. We are so grateful for Your grace and Your mercy and Your love that's extended to all of us. And, and Father, we just pray that we'll help spread that that good news, that amazing message of Your salvation and Your mercy to others. Just pray courage over our, our church family. Help us, uh, help us to be able to do that. Um, Father, I, I just pray that You would open hearts in our community uh, to where you know, the, the message, Your message, will, will seep into their hearts and they'll desire You but, but Father, please just help us with this. Give us the courage and the boldness to tell others about You so that the next generation will know about You and pass it on to the next generation until You return. Help us to leave a legacy for You. And Father, we just pray this prayer in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. So... One of the blessings here at Central, and I think most of you who will agree, will agree, those of you who have been here for the last couple of years, is Junior Latane from Haiti. Um, he's a part of our church family at Central, but he was also a part of a church family in Haiti. In fact, his minister is here with us this morning. And so uh, he wants to come up and uh, just express some things to you guys this morning before we close out.